So today we're looking at peace, and we find we find uh, in the account of Joseph's encounter with an angel that uh, that there's a really good model of how peace works. So let's read that passage. Um, Chris, do you mind reading this passage? Just it'll be up here, so you can just read it up here. <clears throat> Matthew 1, chapter 1, uh, Matthew 1, sorry, 18, 25. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Okay, thank you. So, before we start unpacking this story of, of... uh, Joseph, I, I wanted to play a video from the Bible Project. Uh, it's because this is our Advent theme this week, peace. Um, the Bible Project has Advent theme videos on love, hope, joy, and peace, and this is a really good one. So let's watch that and learn what the biblical idea of peace is. So what a great video from the Bible Project, as usual. Um, And I think it it really gives us a good understanding of the biblical idea of peace, right? It's very different from the world's idea. Now, did you notice what was fundamentally broken when we have no peace? Relationship. That's right. Relationship. You see, human beings are made for relationship. At the beginning of creation, after God had made the whole universe, all the plants and all the animals, and a single human man, he looked at what he'd done and he observed that it's not good for the man to be alone. We're made for relationship. Even today, we need to meet together so that we can encourage one another in our faith, as the author to Hebrews explains. Even our eternal future with God is a future in which we're surrounded by other people in the holy city. It's not the holy parkland. This is going to be tough, Natalie, and but it's not a holy countryside it's a holy city we get to live in a city for eternity 
Now, as a kid, I would have hated that idea, but over the time I've come to see what the Bible is talking about here because we are made to be in relationship. And when we're pure, when we're, when we're restored into proper relationship, it's a beautiful thing. I don't know about you, but when, when my wife or my daughter are angry or upset with me, it tears me apart inside. When I'm struggling with people at work, I, I don't sleep well. When family's fighting, it feels like my whole world is slowly coming apart. I believe, in fact, that, that this reality is, is <clears throat> in large part responsible for the increased anxiety and, and stress that everyone's experiencing at the moment. Our relationships, which nowadays extend well beyond our state borders have been strained and cut off over the last couple of years. The threat of lockdowns threatens our immediate relationships. And even social distancing, as Tim would know and, and uh, Luke Creasy, uh, social distancing limits our ability to express close relationships in our normal way. They're, they're huggy people. <laughs> <laughs> The measure of peace these relationships bring us has been destroyed uh, or at least badly damaged and, and we're feeling it. But how does this relate to the biblical account of Joseph? Well, think about Joseph's situation. He was betrothed to Mary. In first century Jewish culture, betrothal was a commitment to marriage, uh, usually organised by the parents of the couple, but both partners were expected to treat their betrothed with as much commitment as marriage. And marriage was not to be violated by outsiders. So <clears throat> this, was, this was a core relationship for Joseph. And you can imagine his horror when Mary suddenly turns up pregnant. Matthew tells us that Joseph was a righteous man and that he put Mary's reputation before his own offence. If only we had a few more righteous people on social media, eh? <laughs> Nonetheless, because he was serious about doing the right thing, serious about having a wife who did the right thing as well, yet also serious about caring, even for somebody who had let him down, who'd betrayed him, Joseph thought that he should break the betrothal quietly. But he can't have felt much peace about this. The relationship that his future family was to be built on had just been torn away from him. All the prospects of children and family, they were suddenly snatched away. Whether he abandoned Mary and I, and her unborn child or, or accepted her as an unfaithful wife, that would be, between them, that would be a thorn in their relationship forever. And their relationship would never be what it was meant to be. Joseph must have been riven by anguish. Matthew tells us that Joseph was taking time to consider this. The Greek word for consider here means to deeply think about something and to ponder it over. 
Joseph was not taking this decision lightly. It was while he was doing this that an angel came to visit him. Joseph was literally sleeping on it and he was visited in a dream. An angel appeared to Joseph and explained to him the source of Mary's baby. And this changed everything. Before this, Joseph had been struggling with what to do about a future wife who had betrayed him with another man. After the angel's revelation, Joseph knew that he was betrothed to the woman who would give birth to a child conceived somehow by God himself. This transformed their relationship. Joseph could not only trust Mary, he could view her with with respect and even awe. But the angel didn't stop there. He explained to Joseph what the baby's name was. Yeshua, Jesus, which means God saves. And the angel explained how God saves. This baby boy would grow up to save his people from their sins. Hang on, why do people need saving from their sins? We just take that for granted. So just a quick aside, just in case you're not aware of why this is the case. At the beginning of creation, soon after God made a companion for the first man, we read about how our ancestors rebelled against God and how that rebellion infected us all with a 100% infection rate. And 100% death rate. Much later, King David, Jesus' ancestor, wrote a psalm, a song addressed to God, which said, Only fools say in their hearts. It sounds like at the beginning of a, a pop song, doesn't it? Only fools say in their hearts. There is no God. Although that part doesn't sound like a pop song. <clears throat> they are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away and become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. The Jews understood the nature of reality, that we have all rejected God and cannot experience peace because that relationship is broken so we need to be restored into relationship with God so Jesus would save the people from their sins restoring their relationship with God but how would he restore them into God's presence Matthew finally reveals what this means. This is the last part of the message. The coming of this baby boy ushers us into God's presence. Emmanuel, God with us. In fact, we know that this baby boy is God himself, come as a baby. So so from now on, God would be with us. And as you saw in the Bible Project video, that's the ultimate peace. So at last, 
with this knowledge, Joseph could rest. He could, he could wholeheartedly accept and support Mary. All the reservations could be dismissed. And he could relax in the knowledge that God was with him, with them. You see, Joseph's relationship with Mary was critical, but his relationship with God, our relationship with God, that is a life and death matter. Having both these relationships restored brought Joseph into true peace. It brought him true peace. Peace that could survive even in the midst of last-minute birthing disasters, which he did have, and even in the midst of a tyrannical king trying to murder his child. So Joseph needed that peace. How about us? How can we find peace? Well, when I search for an image for peace on a free stock image site, which I use so that we're not violating copyright. This is what I got. Now, you'll notice how most of the images uh, are either focused on impersonal nature, like sunset or the ocean or stuff like that, sometimes not even people in them, or they show just one person doing some sort of transcendental meditation or something. This is our society's image of peace. It's unity between you and yourself. Or you and the universe. But this is almost completely the opposite of the Judeo-Christian idea of peace. Reconciliation and right relationship between people. Including the most important person in the whole of reality. God. Yeah, there's two people in the grass one, and you'll see there's a church down the bottom with a peace thing there. So there's a couple that sort of suggest Christianity, and and um, I actually did choose one that was an image of a dove, but um, but this slide supplanted that. So. <clears throat> But the thing is, like this is this is what our society thinks that we can we can seek peace in these solo sort of activities. You know, we can go out and do a bit of yoga in a, near a waterfall or something, and bing, we find <laughs> peace. <laughs> but it, it <laughs> it's the bing. <laughs> But we'll never find it. We'll never find peace that way. And that's the tragedy of our society. We're pressing into this and we're getting more and more anxious and more and more at war with one another, more and more polarised, more and more angry and bitter. Jesus died on the cross. You don't see that picture here, although you can see a hint of it in the picture of the church to make peace between us and God in order to restore us into relationship with God. And and he gave us two simple things to do because I'm bearing in mind Shalanda's request that we have concrete things to do. So we've got two simple things to do that bring us back into relationship with God and other people and thus give us peace. Two simple things, okay? 
That's right. Love God with all your all you are and love your neighbor as you love yourself. There you go. Simple. Done. Easy. <laughs> so you can just just make a to-do list and then tomorrow when you've done those two things ticked off, you'll have peace. It's not that easy, is it? Um, when you try to do it, you'll find that these things, these two checkbox items are actually really hard. They're actually very difficult to do. But fortunately, Jesus didn't leave us on our own to do them. He did something to help us. He sent a helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us in every way, to remind us of these things, to remind us of what these things entail and to overcome our sinful natures when we try to do these things so that we can we can actually have a chance of doing this. So you can't be a Christian in your own strength. And Jesus knew that, which is why he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God with us now. So we still have God with us. So when we give our lives over to Jesus, when we give out a God our lives over to love God and to trust Jesus and to work with his Holy Spirit, to cooperate with his Holy Spirit as he guides us, our relationship with God is restored. We get it back. And because we're made right with God, we now have a chance to be made right with one another. It doesn't work the other way around. We can try to to forgive our spouse or our kids or our boss or our employees or whoever it is that's driving us up the wall at the time in our own strength, but we won't be able to. Not really. But if we have a good relationship with God, if we're loving God with all we are, then we can do those things in his strength. And through these restored relationships, we find true peace. That's what the angels were celebrating on that night when Jesus was born. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and, pray, and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So that's why we celebrate Christmas with so much joy. That's why we wake on Christmas morning with this burning hope in our hearts. That's why love is expressed through feasting with and giving gifts to family and to others, not by going out into the waterfalls to meditate. I actually did that once. I think I've talked about it my first Christmas in Japan because nobody celebrates Christmas in Japan. And I loved going out hiking in Tokyo to escape the city because the city was driving me up the wall I went out to a waterfall and sort of meditated I guess on God but I just felt lonely and cut off and isolated Christmas is Christmas and in fact every day is about sharing our love with one another so that's why we can begin 2022 with our hearts at rest with our relationships restored because we're transformed by the peace of God. So, sorry, let's, uh, let's close in prayer.
Lord, we really do want peace. We, our hearts are aching with tying out for rest. Help us to love you and to love our neighbour. Thank you for Jesus who's, who's made a way for us back to you. And thank you for your Holy Spirit who gives us the grace to love one another. Thank you for the peace that flows from a right relationship with you. In our Saviour Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.